welcome to another episode of Beside the Author with me, Renika, your host and narrator. I deep dive into the books alongside the actual author in an in-depth study so you as current or future readers can get a deeper understanding of the author's intended message. In this season, we are examining a book called The Hidden Tree by Weizmann Brown. The Hidden Tree is a book that examines societal philosophies, ideas and inventions to expose and discuss the historical out-of-sight root system that is fueling the largest global transition since the Industrial Revolution. A round of applause please for the author, Valton Brown. Hello, Valton. Hello again. Hello, Renika. <laughs> yes, as always, it's good to be on the show. Brilliant, brilliant. So last week, we discussed Chapter 4, The Evangelist. We discussed the dawn of the religious movement that is shaping the new society. We then took a closer look at some of the evangelists and proponents of the eugenics movement. Yeah. Today, we're going to be looking at Chapter 5, The Hidden Tree. Any reader who has currently got the book you might see that this is split into slightly different sections, but I'm going to call this chapter five and then the next section we'll name it chapter six. So without getting too much into how we're going to break up the next few episodes, let's dive straight into this one. Over to you, Valton, as always, for a brief overview of chapter five, The Hidden Tree. Well, now it's getting interesting. Chapter five is really a, a sort of combination of everything that we've talked about or is mentioned in the book to date so we have the delivery system which is the seed of darwinism we have eugenics that springs out of that we have the soil where the language the history that formed the environment that the delivery system of darwinism could be sown in that's all there but now we're looking at the complete organic structure and we're focusing on all the elements that have grown out of that root system. So now we can begin to piece together some of the future elements that we're going to talk about. Nice. So you'll see that when you get into this chapter, it's quite a short segment that we're pulling out. So this episode might be slightly shorter, but mm -hmm. it is a very pivotal closing chapter in a way. Definitely. For the previous chapters we've read. Okay, so you mentioned it's going to be, it brings together all the elements, mm -hmm. right? And at this point, we are finally introduced to the symbol or logo. Yes. That you could say is of the hidden tree. Yeah. As you know, every organization, and as I say in the book, every organization, every business has a way of identifying itself. And the logo is, is key to that. Yeah. Because on page 86, you say every organization requires a means of identifying itself to an audience that may not be familiar with its product, purpose or direction. This is usually in the form of imagery, which today we call a logo. A logo is an identifier, sometimes abstract and other times obvious, depending on the message the company or organization wants to convey. The eugenics movement is no different in this regard. What is the symbol then, Valton? Could you describe it for our readers or anyone who hasn't, even our listeners, should I say? Probably yeah, sure. better for listeners because they haven't seen the symbol itself. Yeah. If you've not reached this part in the book, don't worry. And we're not going to give away all the, the detail. But the symbol that we have here is simply a tree. It looks like an, an old tree. It has a root system with words that are imprinted on it. And of course, it grows up into branches that spread out. 
Now, when we look at this symbol, there are key elements. First of all, the tree has a large stamp in its branches, which is eugenics. It's the word eugenics. Then we have either side of the tree trunk a statement when you put it together, it, which reads, eugenics is the self-direction of human evolution. So you could wrap that up in one word, self-determination. Okay, And then the root system has all sorts of different words placed in it, such as genetics. We have psychology, science, medicine, psychiatry, surgery. All these different social elements are mentioned in the root system. But then here's the thing that ties it all together. It's the phrase underneath, which is the phrase that I really use as a hook to explain the tree's purpose. And it says, like a tree, eugenic draws its materials from many sources and organizes them into an harmonious entity. Now, at first, that may not be clear, but what it's basically saying is it will use anything in order to grow, in order to fulfill self-determination for the human race. So this tree, if you wanted to sum it up, it's like the opposite to the tree of life and garden. Okay, that's the way I see it. It's the opposite to it. Yeah, in page 87, you say, this organic form with its mass of roots mimics the idea of the tree of life in a caricature-like manner. This symbol really strikes you as a reader, especially if you read the Bible and you've read up to this point, because we always have this parallel between the tree in Genesis and this tree, which represents eugenics and the movement going forward. Yeah, and the, and the tree is an important symbol in the Bible as well for all sorts of different reasons. So with this symbol, how has this symbol influenced how the book was written? I've probably said before that because there were so many different elements to what was unfolding to me, the moment I saw the tree, it was like all the lights came on because I could see all of these different strands connecting in this organic form and it said everything that needed to be said. So in other words, it was like the founders of eugenics had created a logo that almost gave away the whole story. When you really delve into it, it gave away the purpose. It gave away how it grows. It gave away the methods it uses to grow. And, and so this tree then became really a focal point. And as the Holy Spirit began to reveal that to me, then you could only then follow the evidence. And the evidence just kept on cementing the, the fact that this tree is central to understanding this system or this philosophy. As you sometimes term the religious yeah. movement. The religious movement. I mean, this is the epitome of humanism. It's all about me. It's all about the individual. There's nothing to do with God in this, really. Uh, wherever you start in the root system, regardless of what it's labeled as, it will always end in self-determination. And in this chapter as well, there's a slight side note you could po possibly term it as where you bring in about Apostle Paul and his discussions with the philosophers of the time. So it was like Stoics and Epicureans. Epicureans. What was the message you were conveying to the readers at this point when you brought that in into this chapter? Yeah, I think sometimes when we, as Christians, certainly we read the Bible and we don't pick up on those points that are in there sometimes. And it's easy to look at Rabbi Paul and think, Oh, yeah, he was an intelligent man, he was a Jewish man, and, and read his testimony, but miss the fact that he had to contend with people who 
considered the intelligence of human beings to be superior to anything else. So this philosophy that we have today, where we see the movie industry drawing off Greek mythology, and then the intelligentsia who believe that they have superior knowledge today because they've gone through the universities and they've read the books and they've studied the philosophers. Well, Paul was right in the middle of this sort of environment. It wasn't any different in that sense. And he was contending with people who thought the same, which then reinforces the fact that this philosophy had been around for a very long time and it isn't new. So Paul, for me, when you read his encounter and he came across these philosophers, as we do today, they were saying, we've never heard what this man's talking about before. So where is he getting this from? Oh, let's call a, a meeting so we can hear more from him. Yeah. But they really wanted to dismiss what Paul had to say because they thought what they had was superior because they spent all their time talking and theorizing about things to do with the mind, the soul, and all this sort of stuff. Just because they'd moved away from the God of the Bible and thought their human intellect was capable of figuring out all the naughty things of being a person on planet Earth. And would you then say that this book, The Hidden Tree, is almost trying to as well stand in the midst of different philosophers and different thoughts that are taking place in previous times and present times yeah. and going, have you thought of it from this view? When I look at the book now, I see that by default it does that because it touches on all sorts of different elements. And it is only an introduction to many of these different subjects. But because it is a tree, it is a focal point, the book draws the attention to the tree, but then exposes its character. So yes, it will touch on the sort of modern philosophers, the modern great thinkers that we have in our time. And it exposes that within its own subject matter. And it's not me that exposes it. It's the philosophers themselves. It's the people that can come up with these ideas and consider science and medicine to be at the cutting edge. And, and they've developed their own methods of doing things. So they expose that. And, I, and the tree just helps to bring all those ideas together to present it so that the reader can understand this isn't true by any stretch of the imagination. But I don't want to give away too much. That's fine. That's totally <laughs> fine. It was really interesting to listen to you then because it, it almost mirrors in a way what you've written on page 88 from the scripture mm. in Acts 17 that you were referring to, mm. where Paul is saying your own poets have said, and you're saying in right. this book, your own philosophers themselves have said this and this and this about this movement or yeah. way of thinking and life. So that's very, totally. very interesting. Yeah, and isn't it, inter it is interesting because... Uh, again, this is an early apostle who was taking the philosopher's own poets and their own words and reciting it back to them, which meant that he was fully aware of the schools of thought. How many Christians can genuinely say we are aware of the schools of thought of philosophy today? And would we be able to highlight them or their quotes or their thought patterns to be able to say to someone else, you don't really want to go down that road. We know who that is, okay? How many could say that? And uh, this is where I think that the apostles and even the disciples, in many respects, they highlight what it's like to live in the world as a follower of Messiah, but not being completely cut off from it, that they're not aware of what's going on in it. Wow. 
(laughs) (laughs) That's all I've got to say at the end of that. Yeah, that's a very reflective comment that forces me and I'm sure our listeners to even look in the mirror and go, how much do I really know Mm. is going on around me to be able to make informed decisions about what thought processes I should be and shouldn't be considering? And also, if you're a student at university, you're going to be exposed to all kinds of uh, worldviews. How do you distinguish between what you should take on board and what you should actually put through a filter and go, that's not really for me? Can you make that distinction? And this, again, is where the faith is very practical. It's very down to earth. We often talk about we need to pray for wisdom and discernment and God's insight in our lives so that we can walk a straight path. All of those things have to be played out in context. If you're at university, you do require a spirit of wisdom. You do require God's wisdom to understand what's being said to you and then discernment to distinguish between what you should take and actually what you should avoid. Because the way that we are currently living, especially in the West, but now it's pretty much global, I think, we have created an environment where you do need to know who it is that's speaking to you, what's their influence, and what's their ultimate goal? Well, thank you, Pelton. Oh, you're welcome. That's thank for free, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's take another detour mm. kind of element. This chapter takes a pause, I would probably say, mm-hmm. to join the dots of the previous chapters. And it just summarizes everything. You use three points to summarize. But rather than just reading from the chapter, let's summarize together what journey we've gone through with the okay. current chapters so far. Sure. This is going to test our memories, going to test our <laughs> listeners' memories. Let's see. So we started with, right at the beginning, we've got the introduction where you're just telling us a bit about the whole world yeah. and the way the philosophers have been informing how we see everything, right? Yeah, starting with the garden. Starting exactly. right at the beginning. Adam yeah. and Eve. And then we've moved forward to Cain and Abel, which then became like a metaphor for the rest of the chapters yes which was the blood of abel crying out from the soil right Mm -hmm. and the character of cain who was jealous of his brother and that characteristic of wanting to be in the top dog that that follows through from the very beginning where the serpent deceived the first human beings into pursuing something outside of god and that continuation onto cain where he ultimately ended in murder yeah and then that murder which you've said infiltrated the soil Mm -hmm. say it in that way became the soil which you described and connected to the heart and also slavery correct yes yes and then you're saying that from that soil there was the seed planted in that soil because it was ready to uh, embrace the first The next step, the first stage into the growth of this tree, would you say? That's right. The delivery system, as I mentioned, it's the the seed that that literally encompasses everything to do with what's going to come next. Seed of Darwinism, evolution, survival of the fittest, all those things wrapped up in this seed. And then that seed grew into social Darwinism. Mm -hmm. And from social Darwinism, we're starting to see that some of the ideas are being applied to humans. and We're then seeing it grow and start to break through the soil. And we are then met with eugenics. Eugenics. Yes. Yeah. Francis Galton. Francis Galton. And then we meet the evangelists of eugenics. Absolutely. Which was our most recent episode. 
take a listen if you haven't listened already it's very interesting if I don't say so myself <laughs> um, <laughs> but we then start to hear some of the perspectives of these evangelists yeah, yeah. and now we've seeing the actual symbol yes it's no longer hidden even though it's still you know yeah. the hidden tree have i missed anything no i think you've pretty much covered it so we're at the point where this tree is formed into a structure that is as you say visible but at the same time it still remains a certain amount of anonymity because although the, the picture doesn't tell us that but can you imagine a tree growing up within a forest Who's ever going to spot this new tree unless they were going looking for it? So we've got this tree that still maintains a certain degree of mystery, but it will be exposed for what it is. And so we've hit this point. We're at this chapter now, the hidden tree. What should readers expect now from the next sections of the book? If, uh, if the reader has followed the earlier chapters and understands what has been painted in those chapters as we've just run through it, then what happens next and what should take place next is that the pieces are now put together. So we focus in on the root system. We start looking at some of those elements. As I say, the book is an introduction to some of these things. So we'll see the word genetics. That's going to be touched on in some way. And also sociology, religion. Because that's an interesting thing to see religion in the root system of a eugenics tree. You'd think religion wouldn't have anything to do with it. But we begin to see how that's brought in. Remember, the root system of this tree is what feeds the whole philosophy. So if its ethos is to draw from all the materials possible and to bring them together to create this organic structure, then the root system will keep growing and growing and growing. So we start to delve into that, put some meat on the bone, so to speak. So we've come to the end of this chapter. I knew okay. this would be a slightly <laughs> shorter episode. Yeah. Um, because it's more of a, even in the book, it's more of a recap yeah. um, chapter than it is a new whole subject. It yeah. almost sits in that uh, bridging. Correct, yeah. From it's... previous to the new future of... Yeah, book. it's sort of a pause. Mm -hmm. It gives you a chance to catch your breath because the, the, the first part of the book is probably quite intense. And then we get to this point, there's a, an opportunity to catch your breath, have a look at this tree, focus in on what it is, and, and then begin to move on to the next stages and gradually pick up on all those different elements, which are then mapped out in more detail. Yeah, and I warn the listeners that, and even the readers, that it will get more intense but it gets m even more interesting than what has already been uh, written and we've read so do stay with us do stick with the process we hope you're enjoying this if you have any questions at all please do reach out and let us know because we also want to start collating some of the questions and we'll leave a little email in the description of this episode for you to be able to put in your questions so, Valton, thank you so much again You're welcome. for joining us. And the next episode, we'll be looking into Chapter 6, The Materials, which we've already alluded to is based on the root system of this tree. And if you enjoyed what you listened to today but haven't purchased the book, the book is available on all major retailers such as Amazon and Waterstone. And we hope you can join us for the next episode of Beside the Author. Have a great day.